Hello and welcome into this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab. We are coming to you live from our house in Augusta, Georgia. Rex, you are drinking out of your what is that? What do you what do you have there? It's a crow's nest cup. It's just crow's water, nest cup. But yes, only because I love water. Cups and I like to take them home with me. Yep, you certainly have to hydrate after what was a 15-hour day at Augusta National on Thursday. Got to be honest, folks, what a freaking leaderboard that we have after the first round. John Rahm, Victor Hovland, and Brooks Kepka all tied for the lead after 765s. Cam Young, Jason Day. I was about to say, don't stop there. shots back. Going. Xander Shoffley, Adam Scott, Scotty Scheffler, defending champion, all in the house with 68s, the weather was absolutely ideal, which of course will not be the case, Rex, for the rest of the week. Thunderstorms in the forecast for Friday, not sure on the arrival time. Saturday looks like we're supposed to get anywhere from an inch to an inch and a half of rain, and then Sunday, scattered thunderstorms as well. But let's focus on the opening round. What a leaderboard, uh, what a trio of co-leaders. What's your biggest takeaway? It, I mean, it delivered, as you just pointed out, that leaderboard is pretty impressive. I think you and I sat and watched it all day long, and it just kept getting better as the day went by. There, there was a moment earlier in the day, I think, when I think Patrick Reed was close, Brooks Kepka was making his run, and I saw your eyes light up. The agent of chaos oh. just came alive because you're like, oh, I, you, num, 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 just give me all of it. And like, no one, like, they weren't going to have, there, were, there wasn't going to be any fisticuffs at the tournament practice area. Like, no one was going to get into a fight. What, where the drama and the conflict is going to unfold is on the leaderboard on the weekend. That's when you're going to have these underlying subplots of the PGA Tour versus Live Golf. We certainly have that, right, like right now. Like John Rahm, uh, PGA Tour loyalist, Brooks Kepka. Although he hasn't – I wouldn't say he's been the fiercest defender of Live Golf. He's, uh, you know, Mr. Chill. Uh, it tends to go with the flow. He has, of course, defected to uh, the rival tour. And we're certainly going to get into Brooks Kepka here in this podcast to me this was like the most ideal conditions possible and there's uh there's clear evidence that if you did not perform today you basically have zero chance to win the masters 19 of the past 20 winners rex uh of the masters were inside the top 15 after the opening round and so that is good news for the likes of john ron brooks kepka victor hovett of course for the co-leaders cam young Xander shoffley jason day uh adam scott Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, Kyle Morikawa. Not so good news. Not so good news for your boy, Roy McIlroy, who mustered an even par 72 on day one. Of course, Tiger Woods, who shot 74. No, no. And I want to talk about all the leaders. Certainly, Victor Hovland fascinates me because he hit some unbelievable chips today. And as, as you and I have probably discussed numerous times, on this podcast that we don't believe that's the strongest part of his game. So I, I, you have to be just a monsoon of respect for him before we move on though. And, and here's what I don't understand. And this is going to be the being a prisoner of the moment. This is going to be filled with hype, uh, hyperbole. However, I would make an argument that this was probably the most important round of Rory McIlroy's career. When you consider that he's only missing the green jacket from the grand slam. Most and- important round of his career. And the only reason he's missing that green jacket is because the most important round of his career was the previous major championship round that he played the final round at the old course with 150th open. He's won the home of golf. He's won an open. I don't believe that. This is, this is the one that this is the opening round. Exactly. This is the opening round. That one, he was actually, he was tied with a 54 hole lead. Why would this be the most important round of his career? You know it better than I do that it's 
his problems here have been because he hasn't gotten off to a fast start. We, we did it this morning on Live From. We went through the stats. We talked about how he is. We've, we've done it every day. We've done we it every day. Four, four day. consecutive Masters. Now it's five in which he's not a, a broken par in the opening round. Again, uh, hyperbole. You, I, I'm guilty of it. Prison of the moment. I'm guilty of it. However, how do you stick uh, uh, an earbud in your ear and you do an, uh, an in-round interview on what is, okay, maybe not the most important, but among the most important of your career as you're walking down the ninth fairway, it made no sense to me. Like, look, I look, I get it. It's it's good for the game. He wants to grow the game. He wants to be a company man. Uh, I, from, by all accounts, Augusta National asked him. He doesn't, to have do a rela- he doesn't have a relationship with CBS or ESPN. Uh, he doesn't, but he has a relationship with the game. And I, I think the way Max described it is Augusta National asked. And when Augusta National asked, and Max Homo was the other one that did a walk and talk today during his round, you do what Augusta National wants. And I would imagine it was very, very similar for Rory. I understand all those things, but man, couldn't you have asked like, hey, any chance we can wait maybe until Saturday for this one just to see how it plays out? Because Thursday, no, it, Friday, no, if if he's if he's going to do a walk and talk, it, it has to be in the open round. Do you think that this was among the messages that Dr. Bob Rotella had for Roy McIlroy? We all know that he came into town on Tuesday. They met on Wednesday, giving him some last oh, minute yeah. advice. Do you, do you think it was, hey, open up going down the ninth hole on Thursday? Yeah, that that was the message. Let's let's be loose. Let's be free. Uh, let's let's give back to the game. Let's let's give these guys a solid. Are you are you are you not suggesting that that was part of the no. uh, message message to the good doctor? No, it, it is not. And look, I I I sat here and gushed for the last three days talking about oh he's in a better headspace and coming into this event it seems like it, this is as free as he's ever been and and this is still a hurdle. He knows what's up for grabs. It's been a long time. We know the history that. He is eight years now since his last major victory, and that is not a good stat when it comes to trying to create the, uh, complete the career grand slam. And your your the way you get ready for that is you pop an earbud in, walking down the ninth fairway in the middle of a crucial round. Like I really had a hard time wrapping my mind around that. I mean, to be to be fair, he did make par the ninth hole. I don't think it served it necessarily as a huge distraction. I think the I think the bigger issue is that he just. He just wasn't particularly tidy. He he had a couple of misses left, which if you if you if you follow Roy McIlroy, like the left miss is 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 very much not good. He made double on seven after driving it way left, and he actually needed to you know make make a couple putts down the stretch just to finish at even par. Uh, historically speaking, he has virtually no chance to win this Masters, which is certainly a disappointing fact, right? Like he came in here. In good form, a lot of confidence, um, you know, deep run in the match play. He he won the press conference, as we put it in the previous podcast on Tuesday, saying all the right notes. So that was, I think, that was certainly the biggest disappointment of the day. When it comes to Tiger Rex, it wasn't it wasn't all that surprising. We had a punch on GolfChannel.com that ran Wednesday night into uh, Thursday, in which we were asked Tiger Woods make or miss the cut. I believe all three of us, uh, yourself, myself, and Brentley Roman. Uh, Steph Ryder, Golf Channel, like I think we all picked Tiger Woods to make the cut. What was your level of surprise in one to ten of Tiger's opening seventy four, in which he, in which he basically just didn't do anything well? Uh, I, I don't think I had any surprises, and again, I, I still think he can make the cut. But you thought he was going to make the cut? I still think he can make the cut, simply because of the way this field. How many? How many guys missed the cut here? Twenty. Like, I mean, it, it's a very small sliver of the field that actually misses the thirty, cut the probably thirty, thirty five ish. All right, top, so it's top, an eighty eight man field. Times. Uh, 86 man field after the withdrawals today so it, it's a very small sliver you're, you're starting to deal with percentages here and I, I do believe that if he shoots something you know let's say he shoots one or two under par tomorrow 
I do think he makes the cut. I will. I will count. T, he's T fifty four, Rex, uh, after the opening round. Well, so yeah, he's right there on, on the edge. He needs a decent round. I, I will say this, and I, we kind of brought this up tonight on live from. It, it's painful to watch him hit some shots around this golf course, and, and I'm sure we addressed this last year. Of all the places he can play, this is the Grand Slam Challenge. That's going to be the hardest for him going forward, and I'm sure in his mind, mentally. He thinks to himself, it's Augusta National. I'm a five-time winner. I've done special and, and magnificent things on that golf course. I can continue to do that. But given his physical limitations now and the way he limps around the golf course, you and I watched him hit a shot today where I, I thought he might go down in a heap. Like it, 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 When he has a downhill lie, it's just it's painful to watch. It's, it's worrying to watch, to be honest with you. And we, we go back to the idea that if he's on a flat lie and he doesn't have to walk, Man, he still has the power, and it's still a work of art, and he's still fun to watch. But there aren't any flat lies outside of the tee boxes on this golf course. I, I just feel like the, the degree of difficulty for him on this golf course is higher than anywhere else right now. I think, I think you're referring to the shot that Tiger had for his approach into number nine. Where I mean, it was, it was a crazy squat. Like it, looked, it, it looked like he was a catcher, like lining, lining up for the high, the high fastball on the corner. Like it, okay. it was – it was very awkward. He ended up flaring it uh, out to the right. Um, it, it was just – he didn't hit his irons particularly close, and obviously Tiger was a hallmark of his career. The reason why he has five green jackets uh, is he is arguably the best iron player of all time, and he just wasn't sharp. I don't know how much you can attribute that to the pain that's coursing through his body. I don't know how much you can attribute to that, to lack of preparation. I mean, he had just 18 holes uh, of practice at Augusta National. Did not feel well enough over the previous two months to make his scouting trip to Augusta National. I think he's a little bit more broken. Uh, I think he's uh, ailing more than he is letting on. He says he's in constant pain, and obviously you can see the grimaces on his face that that is the case. Um, But I think the lack of prep time, the lack of on-site practice, uh, suggests that he's feeling actually even worse uh, than he says he is. I feel like we completely buried the lead. And and look, I wanted to get to Rory. You wanted to get to Tiger. John Rahm four-putted the first hole. And, and he went on to play and made nine more birdies and played the rest of the way nine under par. But that, and, and that look, that's impressive. And it's John Rom being John Rom. And, and I don't think either one of us are particularly surprised because we knew it was going to come down to the big three this week, just the way they've been playing. What's what shocks me, what surprises me, which is, you know, that this is what's going to be the winner of the day for me. The fact he four putted the first hole and didn't snap the putter or, or someone around him or, or snap or snap a patron. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, look, he, he, he can get mad. We, we've talked about the Big Bear before, and, and he can run a little bit hot. He four-putts the first hole. And to his credit, in his post-round interview, he said, well, if you're going to do that, the first hole is probably the one to do it because you got 71 now to make up the difference, which is an amazingly insightful and refreshing thought coming from John Rahm. And if he can continue that, then I don't know that anyone can beat him. But the fact he was able to get to the second tee without breaking some serious plates was just amazing to me. And he justified it afterward, like, oh, I hit good, hit good putts, good, good reads, missed, good strokes. Missed, just, missed make, right? just, just a little bit of poor speed control mm-hmm. uh, on the first green. And that's not the first – he won't be the first player to say that there was a difference in speed from the practice putting green when you get on the golf course. That has to be so unnerving. The very first putt of a tournament is like a 30-footer up the hill, and you have absolutely no idea how fast it is actually going to be. I don't think – so we obviously don't have strokes gain numbers uh, for the Masters tournament. But there, there cannot be a player – who struck the ball better than John Rahm in the opening round, hit every single fairway and hit all but one green, just an absolute ball striking clinic 
from the big fella. I was most encouraged, Rex, by his driver. We talked about it on the podcast actually a couple of times over the past couple of months. He's been the game's preeminent driver of the golf ball over the past couple of years, and yet uh, something was missing. We, we potentially had, I, I, uh, theorized that he was trying to work the ball from right to left as opposed to going away from his traditional shot shape from left that. to right. Yeah. Uh, I did theorize that. Turns out, no, it was just a faulty uh, piece of equipment. And he has changed the driver head. He is much more comfortable. And I think that that was evident on day one at Augusta National where he just did, uh, he trusted his trusty cut and absolutely pounded it all over the lot. He certainly looks like the man to beat after day one. Who do you believe in more, Rex, after the first round? Victor Hovind after his 65 or Brooks Kepka, last week's live winner after his 65? In a weird way, it's got to be Brooks. I just looked it up just out of curiosity, just when you mentioned strokes gain, and they don't do strokes gain. But greens in regulation, John Rahm missed just one green. So 94%. I know. I said that. I mean, that that's amazing to me. I mean, when you consider – Clinic. Which green did he miss? Um, well, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. I'm just curious. Like, how, like I, I bet he was more angry about missing the green than the four-putt at one. Well, it must have uh, been a lot, right? No, it couldn't have been one. No, no, he's four putted number one. Yeah. We can, we can, we can get back to that. Okay, uh, it, it would have to be Brooks simply because uh, this goes back to what you and I talked about earlier in the week. It was impossible, at least in my mind, to handicap the field. I'll give you credit; like it apparently wasn't impossible in your mind because you you picked Brooks as your player to watch early Thursday morning. And <laughs> I'm live from I'm live from Steve Steve Sands. Go so what's like your biggest storyline that you're looking forward to watching today? I go. Brooks Kepka, like I just kind of spit really? out. Like, he's not, he's not the biggest one. Like everyone's paying attention to Scotty, everyone's paying attention to Roy, everyone's paying attention to Tiger. But yeah, little old me was watching Brooks Kepka because I, I think there was a general curiosity of how much does live success matter. He won last week at Orange County National on a golf course that bears little resemblance to what you find here at Augusta National. He had basically done nothing for the first three months of the season, but that's kind of been his MO, has it not? Over the past five or six years, he, he's uncanny. He's a unicorn, and that he flips a switch between regular season tournaments and major championships. He can be listless for months on end, and then he gets a major, and he looks like absolute Terminator. And so he was certainly the focus of my column on golfchannel.com. You guys can check that out. Uh, it's posted right now, leading the homepage. Uh, basically, like, he's finally feeling healthy. I, there was, I think, some missing context, and everyone looks back at the Netflix series and how vulnerable and exposed he was, and it kind of highlighted why he made the the move to live golf because he kind of felt like his competitive, he kind of contemplated his competitive mortality. What was missing from that context was that when Brooks Kepka initially shattered his kneecap and dislocated it, that was supposed to be a year and a half timeline for a recovery, and so when he did that in March 2021. The doctors told him he would not be able to fully function again, be, be close to 100% healthy until the end of 2022. And as we saw at the end of 2022 in November, he won in Saudi Arabia. And now when you see in early 2023, still a couple months removed from a major championship, he's kind of going through the motions, not all that committed. And then when you, it's, it's, like, a, it's like an internal timer went off when it comes to Brooks Kepka. Like, oh, Masters is coming up. I better click in. I better start focusing. He wins last week on live and then he shoots a 65 on Thursday at Augusta national and very much looks like King Kepke again. It's amazing. And I don't want to read too much into this because again, it's, it's very, very difficult to gauge 
the players you were playing on live. He wins last week at Orange County National. And you can we can talk in circles about this. It was 54 holes, shotgun start, team concept, whatever it is you want to do. That's not my hang-up with this. My hang-up with this is I have a hard time quantifying it the way we have historically done it, the way we have done it with shot link stats and strokes gain and all of the information we have available to us now. We don't have that information available to us now on Live Golf. And look, maybe that's me being short-sighted. That's us being short-sighted because we're not being able to dig in. I think the assumption is easy to make. It's easy to make the leap that, oh, he's playing against inferior competition. I'm not saying that this proves otherwise because he could go on and struggle the rest of the week and, and not be a factor at all come Sunday afternoon. But to your point, if he does find a way to flip that switch, to become that major monster that we know he can become when it comes to these events that matter the most to him, then you certainly have to start looking at those events, at least in my mind, in a different light because you're not going to be able to dismiss them so easy. It's like suddenly it's it's not so easy to dismiss the 54 holes and the shotgun start and everything else that goes into it because there was something to be said for he won last week and came into this week with some sort of form. I talked to his dad, Bob Kepka, this morning on the range, and to your point about the injury, we were having essentially the same conversation. I was telling him like the struggles that I was having sort of trying to figure out how the live guys slotted in. And I said, one of the things that everyone wanted to point out, well, you don't play the same schedule now leading up to the masters and the other majors. And Bob pointed out that that was probably a good thing for Brooks because it allowed him to become healthy. When, if he was still playing a PGA tour schedule, if he was still playing those normal events, he was probably going to press. He was probably going to do what almost every other tour player does and continue to try to play his way through it. And was only going to make it worse Whereas in this new reality, in his world on Live Golf, he essentially was kind of forced to take time off. And he got healthy, and this is the version we have now. Yeah, absolutely. biggest difference, his caddy Ricky Elliott told me, is that he's fully healthy, fully confident, and he is now gunning for the green jacket. There was a yeah, weird thing, Rex. I do want to point it out. And, and Brentley, who's sitting next to you. Hi, Brentley. How are you, pal? Uh, I, he, he pointed this out on the ride home tonight, that I, I, I can't remember the first day of a major that there were so many – social media controversies generated. I mean, we we had an issue with Ricky Elliott, which Augusta National looked at and decided there was there was no violation whatsoever. There was something that happened with Colin Morikawa that apparently didn't happen, that there was it was a bit of an editing thing to the I, I've never been involved with a major where there were so many things that happened on day one that you essentially had to wait for an official statement to move on. It was fascinating. Is that is that just not the media world we live in in twenty twenty three where people get up in arms about would happen to be either uh, careless accusations or something that is not uh, as it appears? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a testament to where we are as, as certainly a media, but maybe as a society, I, I'll, I'll give you that simply because, and look, you and I got caught up with it probably just like everyone else. We're in, in the middle of it and we're, we're watching social media like everyone else. And, oh, look, Ricky Elliott apparently said five iron. And he was motioning towards Gary Woodland's caddy at the time. It was funny because I was trying to uh, – My our bosses at Golf Channel wanted me to find out exactly what the rule was and what the punishment would have been. Had two, it's a two-shot penalty, isn't it? Well, it is. So it's ruled – at 10.2, it's advice essentially is what it is. And it would have been a two-shot penalty for Brooks because his caddy, Ricky Elliott, gave, gave it away. However, it could have been a two-shot penalty for Gary Woodland as well if his caddy, Butchie, 
had asked for the information. So it could have gone either way. But the caddy I had actually called to get some information about it pointed out that on every tee box at a PGA Tour event, specifically a par three, if, if his man's hitting a three, uh, an eight iron, he will flash the, the eight iron symbol, which is three fingers. And he goes, anyone can see it. You can see it on TV. The other players can see it. The other caddies can see it. In this particular case, he felt like he was doing the exact same thing, that Ricky was telling someone it was a five iron, but he was 100% positive. He wasn't telling Gary Woodland's caddy it was a five iron. According to Augusta National, quote, all involved were adamant that no advice was given or requested. I've seen the video clip. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast has seen the video clip. We do not know if a spotter was in the vicinity. It certainly seems like that. And and Gary Woodland's caddy could have simply been turning around and saw that sim, that signal as well uh, and proceeded thusly. Rex, what's your biggest storyline as we wrap up this podcast? These are supposed to be mini podcasts. We're supposed to keep them between 15 and 20 minutes. We're now at the 20-minute mark. Real quickly, what are we looking forward to on Friday besides uh, potentially eating a whole lot of sandwiches during a weather delay? Because you're so good at rapping when, when the producer tells you to rap because that's your forte. This was your, that was your idea to dig into the – into the controversy. It wasn't mine. Uh, no, I felt like it needed to be addressed. Uh, a couple things. One, I mean, of course, Brooks Kepka is going to be the conversation. Because, look, whether or not if Sergio Garcia likes it or not, it is part of the narrative this week. And it's a huge part of the narrative. So I want to see if Brooks... He's playing in the morning. That could be a, a significant advantage getting in uh, however many holes he can, presumably in calmer conditions before the storm blows through. Potentially guys have to play through that in the afternoon. Maybe there's a stoppage of play, whatever the case may be. Brooks Kepka can very well get in a second round and then sits, sits around and watches the carnage. Uh, so that would be one. The other, you know, does Rory rebound? I mean, he needs something clearly in the mid-60s to have any chance at all tomorrow. So that's what I'm watching. What are you watching? That Exactly that. I'm watching exactly that. Nothing Brooks Kepka in, in the morning. Can John Rahm continue the fine play? Victor Hovland is going to have to chip to win this Masters. He had he is, today. He hit some great chips today. He did. And the greens are softer than anticipated. I think, actually, the storms that are projected to, to roll through, even if they have sub-air, like, it's going to be softer. It's going to be a little bit easier for chipping and pitching around the green. I think that works significantly in his favor. Keep in mind, Rex, the last major championship that was played, Victor Hovland, was the 54-hole co-leader at St. Andrews with Roy McIlroy. had a forgettable Sunday. Uh, he said his game is markedly different, markedly better, than he was uh, at that time when he had a chance to win a major championship. So I'll be curious to see if he learns any lessons from that final round, whether they're applied to the second round and beyond at Augusta National. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab. Make sure to check us out on Live From on Friday morning. Make sure to read all of our stuff, including Brentley Romines, on golfchannel.com. We'll talk to you on Friday night. At some point, we'll put a bow on the second round of the Masters. Well, they're permitting, of course.